Hey, what's going on, everyone? What's up, citizens? I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. Uh, we are on our ninth episode. Wow. It's just, just we just keeping on rolling, just doing it. So, you know, of course, to any of our returning BOMAP members, you know, whether you are in the live chat, comment section, or listening directly from streaming services, wherever it gets your BBP podcast from, we appreciate you so, 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 so much. All right. Well, you know, we need to talk about our winter 2022, winter 2020, I'm putting all those numbers in there. Uh, winter 2022 anime discussion for our Saturday show. And, uh, you know, let's go ahead and move on over to my office and we'll get this out of the way, shall we? Let's let's dance. Let's do this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's more like it. I love it. Love it. I love it. Okay, so of course, let's go ahead and bring our schedule up. We have our six animes that we'll be discussing uh, for our Saturday show, and that is Requiem of the Rose King. The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest, Orient, The Case Study of Vanitas, Arefureta, From Commonplace to World's Strongest, and The Orbital Children. Okay. And, you know, for any of our new listeners or viewers, we have three key factors that I use when I'm reviewing uh, anime, and that's animation, story progression so pretty much uh you know how we get through the story from the beginning to the end or pace uh, and dialogue which you know is the the text the you know what the wonderful voice actors say uh during their lines and make these characters so great and wonderful and why we love uh, the animes as we know it then we have our rating uh, ceiling, which is up there at the tippy tippy top for those that can see. And we scale that from one through seven, one being the worst, two terrible, three not good, four the middle, five good, six great, and seven is reserved for the best. <laughs> uh, Y'all see me, I'm chibi right now. Let me blow myself up a little bit. There we go. There we go. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our first anime, shall we? And that is Requiem of the Rose King. We are on episode five and it is titled, If I Don't Grab Your Hand, I Won't Have to Let Go. Now, you know, just following Richard on this journey so far uh, in this series, you know, this title makes a lot of sense, you know, regarding him because, you know, he has this thing where it's like, if I, I want to be loved, but I also, when I feel loved, I, I just know that doom is right around the corner. Something bad is eventually going to happen. And, you know, I feel like that's the overall theme of uh, this episode. And I guess you could say it's a shell of the anime as a whole too, but you know, it's that feeling that, you know, you you think to yourself like, man, I could I could never be loved, uh, you know, but even when there's someone you think you found a glimpse of hope for, you know, that one person that you say, man, like, I, I am really starting to have feelings for them, but I, okay, I can't, 
fall too deep into uh, you know, those feelings, because I know that something bad is going to happen and eventually things are not going to work out. So I'm not even going to try. I'm going to keep my feelings and everything bottled up inside. And yeah, I, I feel like this, the title is very, um, uh, you know, grabbing to what's happening right now, especially within this episode, you know, makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and rate the episode first, and then we'll come back around and discuss a few things that I thought was very interesting about the show. So firstly, I thought the animation was great. Uh, I'm, I am getting, and maybe this is a conditioning thing, but I am getting more used to those still shots that they use. Uh, it's kind of like a screenshot, and they use that to kind of um, exp express certain events that's happening and it's up to for the viewer um, for their mind to kind of wonder on what they think is happening you know and I, I think that that's kind of cool in a way of like imagination but I could say that not every single screenshot that has been done with the anime has been uh has worked really effectively I think uh, but I think in this episode it was a great display of how it worked very well uh, the story progression was great as well, and the dialogue was great. So, you know, great on all ends. And, you know, I'd say that uh, this episode as a whole was just, a, it was great. You know, by far, probably my favorite episode so far in terms of just seamlessness with the story. You know, it progressed really well. And most importantly, events made sense. <laughs> like, I think that's my biggest gripe with Requiem of the Rose King uh, and it's anime adaptation is that you have um, a, a lot of scenes where they are doing a lot of uh, jump, jump scenes and sometimes even flash uh, flashbacks. And it's easy, very easy for someone to get lost in what's going on. And not only that, but, you know, taking us to more current events, um, you know, it, it was definitely uh, some periods of, of time where, uh, you know, those cutscenes and those jumps, you were, you know, looking around like, okay, wait, what? We're like, we just, we got here. Like, when did we get here? And how does this even make sense? You know? Um, okay. So what I really wanted to talk about was um, the whiteboard. There's a whiteboard that shows up um, kind of frequently throughout, you know, I'm not going to say each episode, but it feels like at least, Every other episode, you see this whiteboard and, you know, I'll go throw up a picture of it right now. As you can see, this is the whiteboard that uh, almost seems to stalk Richard or be wherever Richard is at any point. So I was kind of thinking like, OK, there, like there has to be some type of significance, something unique about this creature that is always kind of showing up. And the fact that it's a it's a it's white specifically makes it even more unique to me so you know did a little uh research and it turns out that the white boar is a badge of the english king richard iii of england so this is like real time uh and so uh, when you think of a badge just think of a royal emblem so the royal emblem um that was you know pretty much put out there by king richard iii of england and uh, you know, even looking deeper into it, 
the reason why this emblem, I guess you could say, came about is uh, it, it's a play on names. There is a, um, a, a area, I guess you could say, called Eborcrium or Eboricum. And it's usually known as Ebor for short. And so when you think of Ebor and Bor, I mean, it kind of makes sense. And this is the Latin name for York, which, you know, it's, it's been kind of said before a couple of times. But if you looked at the anime, um, Richard was known as Richard of York. And so, you know, even in, in real life and society, uh, there was a group called Richard III Society, which was a group dedicated to defend Richard's reputation. Uh, and they used a whole bunch of white boars, uh, you know, and were originally called the Fellowship of the White Boar. And so you could tell, like, back in those days, especially, um, you had, uh, you know, certain kings, queens, and whatnot that their followers, their believers, you know, um, however you want to look at that, uh, they had very dedicated people that tried to keep their name alive and, the, you know, the rep, their reputations alive, even after that king or queen has passed away. And so uh, this is kind of an example of that with Richard III. So the fact that this boar is, you know, constantly kind of pestering or following, I shouldn't say pester because it almost be minding its own business in a way. And it's just like, Oh, Richard, you, you just happen to be there. And this I don't know. It's really interesting, but Richard seems to have taken a, a very liking to this board and feels like they have some type of connection. And when you think of uh, Richard of York, which, you know, is practically his, um, you know, his calling, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, even thinking about his father, being you know the wanting to be a king it, it almost ties together in a knot and it's so crazy to me how in uh you know requiem of the rose king you have a lot of this history when it comes down to england um they're scraping some over like france as well you know they're all kind of intertwined and it's, it's really interesting to to see how that is has been playing out um now there is a new person that well we've been introduced to a couple new people and an anime so far, but uh, one in particular that I like really have a liking towards, and I'll show you him now. His name is Duke of Buckingham, you know, so he doesn't have a formal formal name, but goes by Duke of Buckingham. And <laughs> this kid, you know, he like goes off and he's like super snarky and he talks to, um, uh, he talks to, Richard and it's pretty much like hey like yeah I, I know that I don't have the body uh you know to be able to go to war but if you would you know you know take up my name as well while you're on the battlefield you know I'd be pleased for that you know and pretty much telling Richard like you know there's gonna a war is eventually gonna break out and if you uh you know if there's anyone that deserves to be the king is you like you should really consider it and so, you know, as he's talking, Richard is kind of looking at this kid like you defiant little bastard. <laughs> like you're you're crazy, like talking like this. Like, do you do you know if it wasn't for your age and your possibly your position, like I'd have you beheaded? Uh, and you know, Duke of Buckingham is pretty much like, 
look, I, you know, I understand that you, you, I, you say all those things that you would do to me, but we speak the same language. And I know that you truly understand me. We understand each other. And, you know, it seems like Richard has kind of taken a liking to the Duke of Buckingham. And, you know, maybe this is, I don't know, it's, it's one, I feel like I'm in this position looking at uh, this Duke and saying to myself, like, okay, is he like a plant? Like someone that is being thrown into like the society to, you know, like turn Richard against his other brothers and in, in the, the current King, like what is, what is going on? Like what's going to happen next? And that kind of points me towards the um, uh, Warwick, who is, you know, pretty much has the title of the Kingmaker. And I'm probably going to talk about him in our next Saturday episode, um, you know, when we film that next week. So stay tuned to that. Okay, that is the Duke of Buckingham. We get him out of the way. Let's move on to our second anime title for today's slate. And that is The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest. And we are on episode six, which is the strongest sage leaves the school. So title is titled that in, uh, you know, in episode five, they did kind of allude to uh, Matthias, who's like the main character and just this OP, just ridiculous, you know, character. Um, He said that, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leaving the school, you know, fairly soon. Uh, because and in his mind, it's pretty much like I want to get stronger, and me staying at this school is gonna hold me back from getting stronger. But I'm kind of curious, you know, just thinking about, um, you know, Mateus, and it's kind of like, okay, you're on this journey to get stronger and get your crest stronger, but in the end, like what, like what is your ultimate goal? Like what is the whole purpose of this? path that you chosen like what did something happen in your past that made you want to become that much stronger and like what are you chasing and i don't know it, it's i i think that's something i hope that the anime is willing to address is kind of like why is uh mateus so hard pressed on getting so strong you know to no end and i mean i guess you know when it comes down to human nature for some people, uh, you know, let's say if you play sports, for example, and it, let's say that it's basketball and you want to be the best point guard there was ever to be known. And so if you want to be able to do it all, you want to be able to shoot, you want to be able to pass, you maybe might want to be able to rebound, you want to be able to do all these different things and have these unique skill sets uh, that you want to hone in on. And so in that position, if that's your goal, then it makes sense that you would do anything and everything you can to get stronger and better. But there's usually like a, an end game of why I want to have those attributes is because, Oh, I want to be known as, you know, the best, um, you know, point guard of all time, you know, or, you know, I, I know that if I'm able to do all these things, then I probably will be able to put my, team in position to win a championship so for maddie you know is it okay i want to become known as the strongest sage of all time um because i want to go down in history 
or is he i mean there's no championships in this is i don't think there is not in this game so really interesting now i just you know I, I hope that they add more layers to uh the store to add more depth because one of my growing concerns which i i feel like they addressed a little bit in this episode and i said this uh in um last week's episode that the issue i find with the strongest age with the weakest crest is you have this character who is so overpowered and, you know, has all this experience and knowledge. And I mean, although he's used it for a lot of good to uh, improve these other characters like Iris um, and um, Alma, you know, you know, this party that he's formed and, you, you know, use that knowledge to help improve them and creating a support team around him. Uh, that's what's added layers to this show to where, you know, you get to see at least the struggles of what his support team is going through. And and I, I feel like in any good show, you know, you want to see some sort of struggle, you know, you, like the idea of someone just being completely overpowered is really hard for a lot of people to hold on to. And it's actually kind of, you know, kind of flipping over to comics, uh, something like Superman. That's the reason why I don't th- like I know I understand Superman is a popular character like because of how known it is because of the history but if you compare Superman to a lot of the other villains or not villains but heroes of today in modern time Superman is nowhere near like top 5 in my opinion like I don't think I think if you ask 10 people out on the street like hey who's your favorite superhero I don't think Superman, Superman might come up one time, you know, and I think a lot of that is because he is so powerful that you don't get to see, you know, the struggles that he goes through and um, you got to find a way to kind of humanize the experience a little bit more. And I think that's why characters like Batman have become so popular and have so how many, so many different movie reiterations. I mean, think about how many Batman movies that we've gotten over time and uh, a lot of that has to do because we as common people uh, we (laughs) you as as common people can you know can see you know that hey like oh yeah like there's a chance that I could be able to do something like that you know if I had a whole bunch of money Uh, so yes I I think that they addressed that a little bit in the last episode where um they made, you know, Maddie's support group, he made uh, them in this, or rather in this episode, he made them do more uh, work. And so they got a lot more screen time and we got to see them try to fight off of uh, demons and monsters by themselves, you know, without really having the aid of Maddie as much. And I think like that really helped like bolster up this anime a little bit more because now you're getting to see that, okay, this is this is what makes uh the strongest age with the weakest crest good because the supporting cast around Mateus is what's um what a lot of people will probably find the interesting value of, of like how he's gonna bring them up while also going on his journey to become stronger and stronger as a sage uh but you know it, another thing I found funny about Maddie is how and how he deals with Iris, I think is so freaking cold blooded, man. Like the, he literally grabs Iris and throws her at one of the demons. It's like, Hey, like 
this is a quicker way. And it's like, bro, like she's a dragon. Like she could have powered up, flown. She could have done something to get there. She didn't really need your help, bro. But <laughs> but that's kind of like he just treats her so like so crazy. But it does remind me of uh me and my oldest brother a lot because uh my oldest brother he we i mean we got along like really really well when we were younger especially um you know we were pretty much birds of a feather anywhere that i went he went and anywhere he went i went uh but you know as you know most siblings when you get older you start to get into a lot more fights or you find ways to pester each other and get underneath underneath each other's skin and i remember this one time where I don't recall exactly what I was doing to my brother that was uh, really pissing him off, but I just know that I made him, we were playing a game of hide and seek with uh, a lot of the kids in, in my neighborhood. And in, in our game of hide and seek, like the whole apartment complex is up for a game as far as like where you can hide and stuff but you couldn't we have boundaries outside of the complex that you couldn't go to so as long as you're within the confines of the apartment complex then you can hide anywhere you want to and so you can imagine you know we were out pretty late sometimes playing it but here's what's go crazy about it you know i guess the whole concept of small it's a small world is as Big as, well, I wouldn't say it wasn't that huge of a comp, uh, apartment complex, but um, when you would think that because of the size of the complex, it would be hard to find, you know, the, uh, you know, the other, other kids, but it was actually kind of easy. And, and maybe it's because it's like, okay, there's all these common spots. So they most likely people are going to go here, you know, type of thing. And so it was easy to kind of narrow it down. And I think we had like a timer. Like, I don't, I don't remember exactly how we played, but anyways, I'm pestering my, I'm pestering my brother as we're playing hide and seek. And we're about to do the countdown uh, to, to run and go high. And I think I slapped my brother in the face. <laughs> I slapped him. <laughs> and I, I take, I take off running. And as I'm taking off running, I'm looking behind myself, like looking constantly looking behind myself because I'm trying to see if my brother is running after me. Now, the, the thing about my oldest brother is he was faster than me, like, like a faster runner than me. And I still don't like, I don't know, maybe to this day, I still don't like, man, like, how is he faster than me? But, uh, you know, he, definitely he wasn't running after me and I, but i thought he was and so when i realized like oh like he's not running after me i turn around and i ran straight smack into a parked car like <laughs> like this car was literally it was not moving at all and i ran into it and i hit my front teeth so hard on that uh park on that on that car that the paint chipped off onto my my teeth so yeah now thankfully like it didn't uh like mess up my teeth or anything like that I still got a uh, wonderful teeth <laughs> but it was it was just one of those moments where it's kind of like dang like i could have really messed up my grill playing around with my brother you know what i'm saying and messing with him or whatnot and of course my brother sees what happens he comes over and he's pointing and laughing at me. He's like, that's what you get. And I couldn't even be mad because he's, he was right. Like I, I did deserve that. <laughs>
Yeah, okay, so that is um the strongest sage with the weakest crest. Uh the animation was great. Um, you know, they had uh, a, a couple scenes. I really liked the the summoning that they did with a new monster that was being formed and um man, it looked like a like a droid or something. Like, not not so much a droid, but like a battle mech type of droid or I don't something that you would see in um uh Digimon or something like that. It was very, very cool looking monster. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that and how unique it looked. Um and then the animation where you saw like it powering up and those transition scenes, really, really good animation. The story progression was good as well. Um, you know, they they kept things simple. The dialogue was good as well. So overall, this was a, a really good um episode. Now there were some cheesy parts in it, uh, especially like with the dialogue and how like they were talking amongst each other. It's kind of like, uh, like I know that they're trying to make this fit and make it work, but you know, but the thing about it is this anime, it feels uh although it feels like such a cookie cutter rpg type the warmth that the characters uh personalities bring they just make me smile you know during these cheesy moments you know even even though they might have uh you know just some some filler moments it still makes me smile and so you know i'm good with it you know i can make my peace with it i'm still watching uh the anime and, and enjoying it for the most part so okay and we move. We move on to our next anime title, and that is Orient. Good old Orient, right? <laughs> Episode six, and it is titled Getting Stronger. Now, I admit that this title definitely, definitely pump fake me, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, lied to me however you want to look at it because you know it made sense it makes sense like oh, okay this is an episode about you know th the characters getting stronger but that's not exactly what happened in this episode and for that i am sad but i think that there is a glimmer of hope because at the very end we got to see some of our heroes or i guess you could say our protagonists of the story um get a uh get a remnant you know kind of a small fracture fragment piece of showcasing some power and them you know kind of feeling what it's like to to whenever you be the oni uh, and you consume this this energy you know he uh they make this kind of like uh, like oh this feels good almost like if you go to a uh, a steam bath or something like that you know it just feels so calming and so gentle and so cool you know and adds that warmth to it but the animation was good uh the story progression i'm in the middle about because i as a spectator i think that most people um you know when they uh you know see these transitions happening you know moving the story from to a to z uh, it looked a lot pretty rushed. You know, there was a lot of poor context that, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, th they wanted to move the story along as fast as they could. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't like it. And the the dialogue is kind of tied in with that because uh, at the very beginning of this episode, you have Sagumi who 
um, you know, the the people in the town, they're trying to convince her, hey, you need to leave this castle because uh, the the owner who's like a father-like figure for, for you, uh, you know, he's going to pretty much try to use you again. And we don't want that to happen. And so she's like, um, okay, uh, okay um, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay. You know, y'all can't, y'all can't make me go. And then all of a sudden she just breaks out of this and she's like, okay, I'll leave. I'm, I'm going to hit, I'm going to go get some sleep now and, and wait for tomorrow morning so we can ride out in the sunset. I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what? Like, why? Like, like how we get, I mean, and it explained a little bit of why she was feeling the way she was feeling, but it was just weird. It just, it just, I don't know. It, it was just really, really weird. But uh, overall, even though, you know, the dialogue did have a lot of good moments and I found myself laughing a lot, uh, especially uh, it was good to see a lot of new faces that, that seemed like it's going to lead to this band getting much stronger in the future. So in, you know, in conclusion, this was a good episode and I, the, the thing that I, I feel like if anything I got from episode six of Orient is it's heading in a better direction, you know, and I wanted to show some comments that uh, I was reading because there were definitely people that were feeling exactly how I felt that, you know, never have I been in a position so much with the anime where it's like in one moment, I'm like, okay, I don't want to be here. I don't think I want to watch anymore. And then next thing you know, it flip flops and you're like, okay, I, I want to keep watching more episodes and see, and see where the story goes. And that's, that's really kind of the love hate relationship that I'm having with Orient at the moment. But you know, Hey, we're in there. We, we're doing what we, what we can. Okay. Let's move on to our fourth anime. And that is the case study of Vanitas. Uh, this is episode 17 that is titled hands upon a nightmare. Um, now the Pat, the episode 16, we got to see Chloe with her just amazing self. Oh, I just, I just love her. Um, she uses this device that she's been researching and developing for so, 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 so long. Uh, and finally, the moment has come where she's able to activate it. She activates this 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 mechanism, and you know the powers, you know, come all flying out of the middle of the machine. Uh, it's like this organ pipe thing that's playing, uh, and then you see this uh, crystallizing happening happening around uh, Nynaeve, who is this um, I forget her AKA name, but it's kind of like the puppeteer in a way. And uh, um, when she, whenever she, uh, uh, Nynaeve comes, you know, it's because she's going to do whatever she can to uh, try to convince her subject into, Hey, just tell me your true name because that's what it is with vampires uh, or kind of the lore of vampires in the state, the case study of Benitez that, Vampires all have um, kind of like um, nicknames or fake names, I guess you could say, like names that everybody knows them of, but they actually have true names. And if you say those true names, it can um, corrupt their core and uh, turn them into a curse bearer, which ends up 
making the the vampire turn quote unquote evil and being able to attack other um vampires or humans as well and so uh Nainia's whole thing is hey if i can get your true name you know that'll be another person's agony that i can feed on and i also end up turning them into a curse bearer and i get to see this onslaught of what they end up doing if they kill other vampires or whatnot and it's like pure enjoyment for her and so uh chloe with this device that she sets off um it crystallizes namia uh nania who is this uh spirit like dark spirit that has this free flowing and really can't be touched it crystallizes her and makes her like flesh like physical something that can actually be touched and chloe is just so excited that you know she's been working on this for so long and she's been trying to figure out like what could she do um to you know kind of put it into her own personal suffering and she explained to nania while she crystallized her that hey you know i tried to warn you that i was a jealous woman and like you you know you did some stuff that you know like hey that's okay like i'm all right that it's okay that you did that but the fact that you um took advantage of someone that I care and so dearly about, which is uh, John, which is kind of like her, um, maybe they see, he sees her or maybe she sees him as a little brother or um, I, I probably have to say little brother because she's lived for so long. And, um, and, but John expressed how he would always be by her side and believed her and everything. And so, um, she is basically taking vengeance on Nania for what she did to John because she, um, uh, uh, Nania pretty much, uh, <laughs> like in in the background, got John and made him into a curse bearer, quote unquote, you know, and and tricked him. And so Chloe is like, "I'll never forgive you, and I'm gonna kill you." And like, oh man, I. That scene in the very beginning is so, so, so good. Like that, that, that dialogue that Chloe gave, I mean, man, it was just, it was amazing. But uh, yes, this animation was great. The story progression is great. I mean, that's, man, one thing I can say about the case study of Benitez is if you want a really good story uh, that seems to move pretty seamlessly, uh, this is definitely one of the premier animes, like it's, for this season especially. But uh, as a whole, the case study of Anitas is a, a pretty special anime, and I I think that uh, most people that watch it would really enjoy it. Um, the dialogue, the best. I mean that that is the cream of the crop of this episode was the dialogue, just the things that were being said. I mean, I was just truly captivated by this episode and you know being able to see uh, nania's true form oh just gorgeous beautiful beautiful and i i was surprised because i, I never would have expected that so um really looking forward to future episodes and can't wait to see how things go down in in episode 18 all right moving on to our fifth anime title and that is Are Furita from Commonplace to World's Strongest. This is episode 18, which I would believe is uh, episode four 
as far as season two goes, or maybe it's episode five, probably episode five. And um, it's titled Memories from the Bottom of the Sea. And, you know, there's nothing um, major kind of gleaming out of this episode. You know, it's kind of a a progression piece, but the animation was good. The story progression was good and the dialogue was good as well. And, you know, I mean, overall, it was a good episode. Now, this episode was clearly a dream uh, state type of, of, of animation, because if you look at the way that I say at least 80% of this episode look, it had this fuzzy filter on it. So um, you were pretty much in someone's dream this whole time. And, um, you know, I would like I say, there's not, not a lot to really take away from this as far as, you know, we're going to have to wait until the next episode to see, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen next with our heroes and Hajime and his, and his girls, you know, his wives. <laughs> All right, well, that was a, a quick one, you know, not too much to unpack there. And we move on to our last episode, which is or last episode, <laughs> our last anime title, and that is The Orbital Children, episode three, and it's called Lunatic Seven. Now, this this episode, there was a uh, a, a couple things that were thrown at us. Uh, I never, it's interesting. There's this like pink, um, I wouldn't call them plushy or anything like that, but it's this pink, tall rabbit looking thing. And you would hear, uh, one of the characters constantly call this, this, uh, thing chief, like chief, this chief, that. And so the kids along with NASA finally goes on and say like, Hey, like, you know, you, I know that's not like the bunny is not a real person. So like truly, like who are you for real? Like show yourself. And the <laughs> this bunny thing mascot unzips its mouth and then lifts its mouth up, and then you can see an actual person in it. And it was this old dude who you know they once again they called the chief. And I never would have thought that this was an actual person in the suit. I thought it was like this actual, like, like a robot, you know, that they had, uh, on this ship. And, you know, it just had these, um, um, I'm not gonna say like superpowers, but you know, I mean, there's robots now that are being created and, you know, you can see them on YouTube or whatnot that are lifting, you know, things that weigh tons, you know, like with ease just about. And so, I, you know, to me, it's like, okay, well, this makes sense that, okay, you got a, a machine that's able to do all these different things in this universe. So why, you know, yeah, it makes perfect sense that this is a robot, but the fact that it's a dude that's kind of, uh, <laughs> an old man that's kind of, uh, driving this thing is really unique. And man, he, I mean, he was in this suit showing cheeks and everything. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he just... It was crazy. I just God, I couldn't believe it. But uh, this uh, episode was great in the animation department. Um, you know, looked looked pretty good. Uh, the story progression was good, and the dialogue was good. Now, overall, this episode was good. Uh, it provided a lot of context that gave the characters more depth. You got to see relationships being built amongst the kids, uh, and you know they were you know pretty much ch- choosing a person they believe to be a leader because they had more knowledge about space and 
uh, think that it can help them to be, to be able to survive. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, y'all. They really did lose me a little bit when they showed uh, this uh, crab that was kind of like tinkering with the 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 space shuttle and trying to devour it. And I'm just like, wait, what? A, a space crab? Like, where did this crab come from? And like, what is the like purpose behind this? And so, you know, maybe there's a deeper meaning behind like why they used a crab specifically, but it made absolutely no sense to me at all. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that this, this uh, anime is going to be good. Uh, like I said, everything that I've seen so far, all the way up until episode uh, four or the first two episodes are just stellar. Amazing. Uh, this episode was good as far as adding a little bit more depth to the characters, but the manner of um, supernatural activities, I guess you could say, with this space crab just kind of threw off the whole feeling for me. And so I'm just kind of like, I don't know. But once again, like when you, the, the writer and director possibly had a, um, uh, the crab might have a certain meaning to it, and we got to decipher that. So I'm probably going to look into it a little bit more. Oh, excuse me. But as of right now, I'm just kind of like, I'm just looking at it as just a crab, like a crab that's a huge crab that's on this ship trying to destroy it. And in my head, I'm, I cannot compute. I cannot make sense of this at all. And I, it, it, I'm almost going to trying to say like, I don't even know if I, want to make sense of this i'm just gonna just continue to watch and try you know try to see what else comes out next you know and you know maybe once we finish uh this this season uh, i can go back and say okay like okay did we find out what the meaning for this crab is <laughs> okay all right that is our uh episodes for up for a review you know if you are uh, listening to us on our DSPs, wherever you get your bingo book podcast from, we really appreciate you for listening. That is the end of this episode. Uh, however, for our YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook viewers right now, we have more on the way.